When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know what most white people in this country feel. I can only include what they feel from the state of their institution. Now, this is the evidence. You want me to make an act of faith, risking myself, my wife, my woman, my sister, my children, on some idealism which you assure me exists in America, which I have never seen. Today we have a special guest, Charity Elder, who is an award-winning journalist and media executive with 20-plus years working and leading in broadcast um, and digital newsrooms. And she's also an adjunct professor. And so I always start these interviews specifically when we um, interview Black people because you are so much more than, you know, the bio and what people see, you know, you have layers and dimension. And so I always ask, who are you? So who is Charity Elder? Uh, well, I'm really happy to be here. Hello. Thank you for having me. I am someone, um, you know, I'm, I'm many things. I'm a sister, a mother, a friend. Um, I love to read. I love um, traveling. Um, I'm so, I love to cook. Um, I love my family. And so um, I would say in the simplest terms, I am human. And I experience and live the full complexities of humanity. I am not one thing or the other. I don't yes. fit in a box. Yes. And uh, and I celebrate my frailties and my triumphs. Come on. And so I embrace myself and my full humanity. Mm. I love that. You are so powerful with um, the things that you say and what you write. Like, you are amazing. Um, there's a quote that I read of yours, and it just was so delicious to speak these words. It was so <laughs> powerful. And I, I I think to get into your book um, called Power, I want to read this quote and then you can just take it away. Okay. So, and, and also welcome. We're so glad to have you. Yeah. You say black women are dope. Yes, we are. Because they rise and are yet rising. This dopeness is not hyperbolic or symbolic. Rather, it is born of persecution that has failed to frustrate a perseverant persistence to prevail. That is just... <laughs> Listen here, this quote. Yeah, thank you, so, Katina. <laughs> oh my gosh, like I feel so affirmed and like, there's something that wells up deep on the inside of me reading those words that you have, you've given language to like summing up what our experience is. That's such a powerful way to explain what black womanhood, uh, you know, a, a, a part of a definite, a part of the definition of what black womanhood is. So tell us about your book. 
So my book really came out of um, a desire to talk about my gaze, how I see Black mm. women, yes. because the normative uh, viewpoint is that um, Black women are a representation of lack, yes. a lack of jobs, a lack of wealth, a lack of mates, a lack of beauty, a lack of good health outcomes, a lack of, of um, you know, anything you can imagine um, yes. that's good, right? That we are um, the bottom of the totem pole in every way. And that, um, that picture of us, and I, I didn't even get into welfare queen and all the other tropes mm. that exist uh, around Black women, Um but my goal was really to talk about how I see Black women, mm. um, but also to join the hundreds, I want to say thousands, yes. but let's say hundreds of Black women who have, you know, since the Civil War um, attempted and really have been saying all the things about us are not the things that you're saying are not true. And by they, yes. I mean society yes. um, and how we're viewed. And so um, so I stand on their shoulders in terms of all this this work. And, and in the book, I, um, I talk about a woman named Catherine Tillman. And she wrote an essay in 1895. Uh, so, you know, about this is within the Reconstruction period. And she... Um, in her book, her way of proving that Black women, how I would say today, uh, Black women are dope, was to write down every single name and where they were from of what um, Black women were achieving. So, for instance, she wrote down, there is a, you know, a Black woman named so-and-so who is a dentist in this city and state. There is so-and-so who's in dentistry school. I mean, painstakingly pulled this information, um, you know, together. And there is a, um, you know, some sociologists call it myth busting mm. that Black women have been engaged in. And, you know, an example of that would be Tressie McMillan Cotton, who I think she's a brilliant writer. If you haven't read Thick, you should read it. Um, and so I'm part of that long legacy, which in some ways, when I first realized it, um, you know, I cried because mm -hmm. the truth of who we are, no matter how long Black women have been saying it, um, regardless of the fact that we understand our dopeness yes. intrinsically, we are acutely aware that uh, society, and I'm talking about society in the United States, um, and you could also speak globally uh, due to colonialism and imperialism and all those things, um, you know, that it's the same thing. So my goal for this whole book was to explain how I see Black women, stand on those shoulders, but to prove it using data. Data yes. that... Um, that can't be refuted or harder to refute. Yes. And as I set out on this path, I did not know what I would find exactly. Um, but 
But I knew that how I saw Black women, which is that we have power, um, that we do achieve, and not just because of, you know, money or any of those things, though that, you know, is part of the picture, um, but that we continually, like, strive forward. And so... um, my whole goal was was to set out to prove. And so when you say power, you know, the name of the book, uh, Power, the Rise of Black Women in America, for many people that, you know, is an oxymoron. It doesn't really go together. It doesn't make sense. And um, and I'm saying that that's exactly who and what Black women are. Wow. So I'm curious to get into some of the data, and I know it's more than we can go through right now. But I wonder if you could take maybe three or four of the data points that most uh, tell the picture, the the story, that kind of sum up what you're trying to tell and maybe highlight some of those for us. Yes, absolutely. I would, you know, there's, I will explain, there's two main parts to the data. Um, one is a um, exclusive um, survey I did with Marist Poll, and it's a national survey representative of um, Black women across the country. I mean, really, it's a poll of everybody in this country, um, but we had to oversample for Black women to make it representative, Black people in general, but Black women in particular. Um, and then the other subset of data is, you know, a a way of looking at U.S. Census data. And I think that that, you know, I'll spend a, just a little bit of time describing that um, because I think that would would be really germane to your question in terms of how I'm able to prove what, you know, what I set out to do. Um, and so I partnered with the University of Missouri to actually gather all the data. And really, and I should take a step back. The first thing that I was trying, that I wanted to do was not center um, white people, white men in particular. And by that, I mean every um, study in academia and in the academy, uh, you know, and news organizations, all of those things Um, whenever you talk about any group that's not white, so-called majority, um, it's, it's, you know, so here's an example. Um, Black woman makes 64 cents to every dollar that a white man Mm. earns. Or if you look at it for all women, you know, women, you know, make 83 cents, you know, um, for every dollar that a white man earns. And so everything, whether is it a success or not a success, (laughs) Um, or failure is done in relation to white people or white men. And so I set out to, you know, that I did not want to center um, white people. I wanted to center black women in this discussion. And so having that mindset, um, what, you know, we did is I wanted to compare black women against themselves over time. Mm-hmm. So we looked at 1940 to 2019 U.S. Census data and the American Community Survey um, to capture what sociologists look at in terms of how you're doing, right? Like, are you successful or not successful? And again, you know, my definition of success is not predicated necessarily on your material wealth, um, yes. but this is a good indicator that most people understand, right? So. For, I looked at um, income, 
So real median wages um, accounting for inflation. I looked at occupational status and I also looked at um, completion, the number of years com- completing college. And so um, because of the way that our, uh, you know, our country has counted people, we focused mainly on, um, it made more sense to focus on white and black because there wasn't a lot of like in the 1940s, a deeper sort of look at, you know, it was either like colored or white or it was, you know, Mexican represented all Spanish speaking people or Chinese represented all, you know, um, Asians. And so in any event, so I focused on white women, um, black women, white men and black men. And so looking at those three areas, um, real median wages, uh, occupation and um, the number of years of completing college and focusing per group, I was able to see these trends, right? Yeah. And so um, if you if you look at or focus on um, on real median wages as an example, um, from 1940 to 2019, white men, well, first, let me just say everybody's uh, increase in um, everyone increased in terms of the amount of money that they earned, right? There was an increase for everyone. So white mm-hmm. men from 1940 to 2019, uh, rate of increase was um, 300%. That was the rate of growth, right? Mm-hmm. From 1940 to 2019. For um, white women, um, it was also 300%. But when you get to black women, it is 1,000%. And so black women were able to, um, and this is irregardless of um, economic downturns, you know, depressions, recessions, wars. Um, Black women, when you look at the curve in the book, it's just steadily going, like steadily going up. And you see that same dynamic in terms of education. You see that same dynamic in terms of occupational status. And by occupational status, you know, we looked at different groups. And so um, one area of focus was professional managerial roles. And Black women's rate of increase across all those areas, um, you know, was super high. Um and so it it paints a picture of you can look at the numbers and say um, black woman earned sixty four cents to every dollar a white man earns, or you can understand the rate of growth that black women have had over the last eighty years. Um, and and I believe that that you know um, we I didn't do a predictive analysis because those are sometimes hard to do. But if over eighty years of nearly you know, in a century, Black women saw continual rise when other groups did not, um, or they grew at a faster rate. Um, There's no reason not to believe that that will not continue to happen. And, And also, I would say, in addition to that, is that there, you know, I would say in the last really since 2015, there's been a discussion about deaths of despair and how um, white you know, middle-aged men or white men in general, just, um, you know, how they're having a really hard time in terms of jobs and 
being a part of the workforce and all these things, I mean, it, it all makes sense, right? So you can see where um, Black women have continued to rise. And if, and if you look at the numbers and you just focus on white men, it's heading in the, in the other direction, you know? And um, that story is not told. We're told a different story. And the story that we're told is one in which uh, there is no hope. Yeah. And it will never change and that we shouldn't continue to keep fighting for the things we need to continue to keep fighting for. Mm-hmm. So I, were you done? Uh, I have you a thought, ahead. but I can go after you. So okay. you go first. So when you were saying that, um, I don't know, it just, let me just pause and start over. So I have a question about um, the lack of beauty statement. Um, I, <laughs> I just want to kind of dig into that a little bit more. Um, and then even the lack of, edification and affirmation and how even though we have this lack um we still see this continued growth um and growth in you know just all the areas per per your study um and we are the most educated and entrepreneurial even though we have all of these lacks um and you said something about in your book you said something about you know now more than ever you know, we, we can claim our power. Um, and I want to kind of dig more into that. Um, and then I want to talk about, I want you to speak on this whole idea of, well, if there's all this growth and there's all this, this great stuff happening for black women, then what are, what are black women complaining about? You have Michelle Obama. What are you complaining about? Or I want, I want to, and when I ask questions, I'm so weird. I don't just ask like one question. I have all these thoughts behind <laughs> what I'm, what I'm wanting to, you know, you to dig into. So I give, you know, the guys are used to it. I'm like, talk about this, 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 and this. So if we need to break it down a little bit more, cause I know it may be easy to forget all this stuff that I'm asking, <laughs> but I want to kind of dig into those things. Well, I'll just get started. And if there's something I missed, just okay. let me know and we'll roll Thank with you. it. Um, so in terms of beauty and the lack of that, and I I first want to just say when I talked about, um, the studies and the portrayal of black women in terms of lack, I'm saying we don't actually have that lack. Right. Absolutely. I get it. So that's the first thing. And I say that fully understanding history, fully understanding um, lived experiences, and also really believing in um, what Bell Hooks talked about in terms of capitalism, uh, colonialism, imperialism, patriarchy, and white supremacy, and how all of those things you have to understand in order to understand um, the black woman's experience. So I'm not negating any of those things. What I absolutely what I'm really saying is is that um, black women have been able, and and this and I'm really speaking specifically to black women in the United States, um, mm-hmm. in terms of that experience, have been able since you know 1619 have been able to figure out a way to not just survive, but thrive. But the story that is told, the narrative that is believed that we haven't risen and that we Mm -hmm. haven't had strides. 
And so, but what that does is that if you're continually saying or pointing out the things that we um, haven't done and you miss what we have done, you risk discouraging people (laughs) or Black women from continuing to move forward and engage in the battle. And so, um, in what battle? The battle for freedom, so to you know, so to speak. And and I think of it typically in terms of Harriet Tubman, which you know, I always hesitate to mention her because it sounds trite. It's like Harriet Tubman. Of course, everybody knows and loves Harriet Tubman. But you know, when I was in graduate school, I would think to myself, Harriet Tubman, you know, went back and forth to free slaves. I can write a paper, right? And so when I when I'm talking about Harriet Tubman and that whole idea of um, what Black women have been able, you know, to do is that she went and got freedom for herself 20 years before the Civil War and yes. the end of the Emancipation Proclamation. No one told her to go get it. and But she had no reason to believe she could get free. Yes. Um, and so I don't think of us, and by us, I mean, as a Black woman, I'm saying I don't think of Black women in terms of Black um you know, at all. And frankly, I don't think Black women really see ourselves that way because the stories we tell each other, it, you know, from our yeah. grandmothers and aunties and friends, like you can do it. No, um, maybe society doesn't like or think uh, a big butt is cute, but you know you cute, right? And there are studies that bear that out. And also in yeah. my data around uh, the strength that other Black women provide for themselves, which you know, and black women have high rates of self-esteem. You know, yes. I think social media and all that has really damaged that for for um, for younger black women. But um, studies even from, you know, the 1990s and, and all that have shown that black women have high rates of self-esteem. Um, it, you know, so I hope that answers your question. But towards the end of your question or what struck me and you let me know if there's something else you want me to mention or speak to, but what do Black women have to complain about? You know, um, my purpose for writing this book, like the audience is Black women. And my goal is to encourage Black women to propel them forward. That is Mm -hmm. my goal. And so um, the idea of... you know, what do Black women have to complain about or other people seeing that? I mean, that's not really my concern. Like, it's immaterial to me in terms of what Black women need to do. And part of what I know in terms of being a Black woman is that um, conversations around, you know, Black women feeling tired and not feeling like they can move forward. And what I'm saying is, is that we can... Um, prioritize our health, learn to, you know, say no, um, slow down, take care of ourselves, and also reach for the thing that makes our life worth living. Mm -hmm. And that, frankly, for me, has nothing to do with whether somebody else gets it or not. Like, it's, it's like immaterial to me. All right. So you think that. Okay. Um, really what I'm saying is we have the power to create lives of meaning in the same way here at Tubman, who had no reason to believe that she could have any power, um, or get freedom set out for freedom.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, and I I pose those, you know, thoughts because this is black history for white people. I I know the answer. What? <laughs> and I am I feel very affirmed by all your words and I just wanted to hear you the way you would express it. And so basically you're saying, you know, we live like as a people amongst the people as black women and people have tried to hinder our success and weaponize our success against us at the same time. And my takeaway from what you said is that is none of our business. Our business is us because we are our own measure of success. We are our own, you know, sense of beauty and purpose and start like we already know what we already know about us. And we are our own community. We are our own, you know, mental health resource. Uh, we are our own healing. We have had to be um, a self-sufficient uh, group of people or people group in a society that does not see those things and live in that tension of who we know and who we see ourselves as and what everybody else thinks while continuing to persevere. That's... Yes, that that's that's absolutely um, how I feel about it. And, you know, I talk in the book about a knowing that black women have about other black women and that's yeah. a, an innate knowing. Um, and it's not about that uh, perfection or that we're perfect is that yes. we see each other's humanity and um and we've been taught by our mothers and grandmothers and teachers, yes. you know, to love ourselves and to love them. And so then, you know, we can love and support Black women. You know, I actually, um, I read about this too, but, you know, I don't really buy into the whole, um, and, and I'm sure you, you know a lot about this, um, the whole idea around uh, black women not getting along or stepping over each yes. other because of, you know, the whole idea of scarcity and all of that. And, right. you know, and I think, yes, there's going to be strife because we're human. And so people yes. don't get along with everyone. But I would venture to say that black women understand um, that they can trust black women, you know, kind of like on a visceral deep level. Like when you're in a store and it's only the two of you, you just kind of like yes. you acknowledge each other and that's it, especially yes. if somebody's doing something crazy. Um, it's that kind of, you know, of knowing. And in the survey that I did, the mirror survey, you know, I asked black women, you know, do they uh, trust other black women? 83% of black mm. women trust black women. And when I... Um, and 40% said a great deal. And then when I asked about the Black sisterhood, like over 90% felt like there is a Black sisterhood. So when I say, you know, I always felt like that wasn't quite a true dynamic. 
And yes. there's there's real power in us understanding the power we have uh, together and to move forward. Thank you. So the thought, as I want to revisit the the thought that you had at the beginning and just um, branch off of that a little bit, that, that you shared those numbers, the 64% to the dollar of uh, what black women make versus white men versus that thousand percent growth. And the thought that I had was just like, which one of those stats actually says more about black women and who they are? And the 64 cents to a dollar, that just says like the hand that you're starting with versus the thousand percent. That's like saying who you are and what you're doing with it. And the stewardship of those disadvantages into something that is beautiful and meaningful. Mm. And that that is what actually, like, I mean, I think we are all dealt different hands in life, but the the real um, marvel is people who can steward what they have in a way that is uh, good for, like, like that advancement isn't just helping black women even. That's like helping America. That's like, if, if black women have that capability, that capacity, that innovation, then like that is just an argument for why black women should be in positions of power yes. in positions where they can use that to benefit everyone. And there's this like zero sum game uh, idea that you referenced and that we've talked about before of how uh, I think a lot of times white men are like almost defensive of uh, I need to stay in the lead because otherwise if black women gain, I lose. But that's not the reality of how the economy works or how the world works. If a black woman it starts a business and it gets investors and it thrives, it's building the economy for everyone. It's building wealth yeah. and, uh, you know, the economy, like the rising water that lifts all boats. Um, and so I wanted to just kind of invite you maybe to, I know you have more than just data in your book. You also tell stories. Um, and so I want to just invite you to maybe share a couple of those stories of um, that have impacted you uh, of Black women who put a face to some of this, um, who have been dealt these hands that had adversity in them and yet stewarded those into something beautiful and meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, no, thank you for that. I, you know, story and data are both very important. And one of the reasons um, why I just quickly like focus on data is because Black women have always been believed to tell our, our stories, right? And there's this, um, you know, I reference uh, Tressie McMillan Cotton, and she writes in, in her book, Thick, how um, going black back to the slave narrative, mm-hmm. um, Black women wrote about their experiences. And so, um, but our Black women believed when they're talking about science or math or other areas that have nothing to do with race and gender. Um, I think one of the reasons why Black women, why we focus so much on that, and I'm not the only one by any stretch, um, is partly because we know the stories about us are not true. Um, Mm. But some of it is also, you know, the expectation of what we can do and and um, how we express ourselves. And I was really conscious of the fact that this book not be about me and my five best friends who are doing well. Mm. I was also very conscious about that the book was not about uh, Beyonce and Oprah and uh, Serena Williams and, you know, and the handful of Black women who 
um, and it's more than a handful, but but those who have reached sort of critical mass in terms of uh, celebrity and wealth and achievement. Um, and one thing that the data does is, and right now we're just focusing um, on the um, on the real medium income, is that that number, you know, where I said that thousand percent growth, right, rate of growth over 80 years represents every single person who identified as a Black woman from 1940 to 2019. Wow. Like all of them. It is not just you know, Oprah. And right. so, um, and so that's why the data is so important to me in terms of the story. Well, story is obviously so important and narrative is like, it connects people. Um, and to answer your question, the one, um, I would say that it, you know, I, I could go with someone I don't know, or I could go with like my grandmother, <laughs> And I think I'm going to talk about my grandmother. Um, mm-hmm. She's Please 93. She, oh, wow. um, she lives in Athens, Georgia, has lived in Georgia her whole life. And I've, you know, I think about it sometimes where she chose to stay in Georgia for 93 years. She oh, could have wow. moved anywhere, during, and especially during the Great Migration. And She's like a mayor in her hometown. We threw her 90th birthday party and she got like a citation from, you know, or accommodation from the city and um, and all of that. But the the thing, and I, I, and I went to Georgia and interviewed my grandmother specifically for the book and she allowed me to talk about these things. You know, she is amazing and a wonder, but she also was in an abusive marriage. Mm. Right. And she also physically and um, and emotionally with, you know, my grandfather and she got out of that. Um, But she also, you know, um, was a sharecropper with her dad, my great grandfather. And and we know today that sharecropping cotton is a form of, um, you know, enslavement. And so it just, when I think about the arc of her life and she doesn't have an ounce of bitterness in her soul and Mm. she is giving and she, you know, does things at church and socks for the the kids who need socks and shoes and she's always collecting food and I'm always having to like order something to send down to whatever thing she's collecting Mm. for whomever. Um, but just generous and without yeah. any, you know, any bitterness. And I, and so I think about how she was able to create a, um, a life for herself where she was the best insurance, life insurance salesperson in her company. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that wasn't her first job, but she was like, nobody ever beat my record. Right. It's like, the the pride and the dignity and um the not just strength for strong sake but um I, I don't, like a beautiful strength a vulnerable yeah. strength a a i am not going to let life take me down and every time and i talk to her i'm in like a better place and so it's those kinds of stories um yes. that exemplify what I talk about in the book as the lemonade lifestyle um, and just some that black women live. And 
um, it's a beautiful representation. Yes. I am really interested in who are some women, maybe, maybe selfishly I'm doing this and not assuming that you've listened to our, all our episodes, but I wonder who are some like black women that you would point our listeners to like, Hey, you, you've got to know this person's story. And then in, in that same vein, like I'm, I'm wondering maybe you have two or three people that you would be like, you guys need to do an episode on this woman. Like you just have to. And so do, is there anybody that comes to mind? Yeah. Well, you know, I've mentioned Trusty like twice. So obviously I think that, I don't know if you've ever had her on. Um, no, I mean, she, um, you know, is brilliant in that regard. You know, someone else who's interesting to me is Gloria Edom. Um, and she, um, you know, established the well-read black girl and, um, it's, it's a lot of things. It's a book club, it's a festival, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and, but it, what she was actually doing was saying, like, we read as Black women. And I have been told by um, uh, people in the publishing world that, you know, it really was common knowledge and thought that Black people didn't read. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it, you know, so I think that um, Gloria Edom and then also, I don't know if you've ever had Stephanie Jones Rogers. No. She's the author of They Were Her Property. And she talks about mm. how white women, um, it's always thought of that white men were the purveyors and the instigators and all that and the leaders around the um, enslavement economy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is white women participated too. And in a lot of Absolutely. ways, they were even more cruel. And so she documents all of that and how mm-hmm. um, the um, ecosystem of enslavement actually gave white women more status. Yes, yes. And talking to white men and, and negotiating those things. So those are a few people that I think are really interesting and they aren't names that you hear all the time. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate how in your statistics you are um, heralding the unsung um, and with intentionality. I think that that is so powerful within itself to just include the everyday Black woman, including people like your grandmother, which is really powerful. So thank you for that. So is there anything that you would want to um, impart upon our white listeners um, which we do have a diverse, we have a lot of black women listeners. And I I would like to say also, you know, know what, what you'd like to say to the black women listeners. Because I get high fives and cosigns all the time in my DMs of black women and men who are listening to our podcast. And so I love that. But what would you say to our our white audience and then our other listeners? And then how can we, what can we do to support you? Where where can we point point our listeners to um, to uh, obviously buy the book? But yeah, um, we'll put the book in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, um, but if you want to give, you know, just any um, last, um, if you want to give any, you know, just instructions or action items for for our, our listeners to follow. Definitely. Uh, well. And thinking about uh, what I would say to white people and to the white listeners, I believe that 
you know, I have, and I should preface this by saying, um, so I have white friends. Of course I do. I've lived in this world. I've worked, I've gone to college and graduate school and all of these things. And, um, but truly, you know, for me, this book was about, um, black women and our relation and how we deal with our power and the decisions we make. And so I would, I would say to, to white people is that the white friends that I do have are because they are my friends because they treat me um, and understand who I am as a human being, yes. that I'm kind, yes. um, I'm funny. I can also be too serious. Mm-hmm. You know, the movies, like I'm treated like a human um, as an intelligent, beautifully flawed human being. Um, and those are the ones that are actually my friends. Um, and so I I actually fundamentally believe that, um, you know, at this point in history and where we are, like this isn't 100 years ago, um, there are so many ways for a white person to understand all of the, like your podcast, for instance, all the different ways that um, all the different ways that they can understand race and how complicated yes. it is in our country and, and the way in which, um, you know, how we um, operate um, in terms of race and our culture. But I don't have anything to say to them except for treat people like they're human, you know, and, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and that's it. You know, I don't have any... Like, I have no interest in giving the advice for that. I really don't. Um, And and I support the people that that do that work. Because I'm not saying it doesn't need to be done. But my mission and my purpose is to say to Black women, go forward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? You actually can do it. And um, even against the impossible. That, yes, all these things are true. It, It sucks. Yes. But then what is the life that you want? What is the life that you want for your children? And how do you go get that thing um, from a place, from a moral place and from a place that you believe in and not what someone else thinks it is? So, um, you know, I think if a white person wants to learn and know about it, they will. But I have no advice for them. Come on. I love that. Where can we find you working are you somewhere on the socials or? Yes, I am on the socials, uh, Charity Elder, and also my website, charityelder.com. You'll be able to and buy the book. And yeah. yes, buy the book. <laughs> yeah. Buy it, the book. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I love that. Thank you. Absolutely. Mm. I, I thank you for um, joining us today. And I know that that's a weird tension. Like we have this specified audience um, and you're you're like my anointing and my calling is black women and that's it and that's all and so I love that I love that you know you I love just how you the words you use the way you express you know your intentionality with your mission uh, and I, I I really appreciate you um, joining us today thank you so much thank you thank, thank you, you for so having much. me
A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.